Welcome to Moving Markets. Keeping up with current market trends and navigating the ever-changing economic landscape can be challenging. Your host, J.R. Gondek, will share his insight and help you tackle these topics. J.R. is Managing Director and Partner of The Learner Group and co-author of Family Value at Risk. He leads investment research on the team and is responsible for shaping strategic policy. He works closely with families to promote intentional communication and drive collaboration between all generations to ensure a smooth transition of wealth. Come along for the ride and let's start navigating. Okay, welcome back to Moving Markets and the third episode of our crypto series. Today, I'm joined by one of our wealth advisors on the team, Angela Grannon. In this episode, we'll be discussing common crypto myths and misconceptions. With so much information out there, it's hard to distinguish between the facts and myths. Our goal today is to debunk some of the myths and bring you the facts. Let's get started, Angela. So the, the first myth we want to talk about today, crypto is a currency and has no intrinsic value. Let's talk about that. Sounds good. Thanks, JR. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I think that the confusing part about cryptocurrency is the word currency. You know, just as a definition of currency, it's a system of money in common use. And governments issue fiat currencies that are regulated by that particular country's central banks. So I think a, a better description of crypto is a digital asset. Um, and digital assets are decentralized. So there's no central body that's controlling or influencing its value. But at the same time, crypto can be exchanged for goods and services. Um, and its value is really derived by supply and demand. So I think of it as similar to a commodity. Um, if the supply of something is limited, its value fluctuates over time based on supply and demand. So I think a great example is Bitcoin, uh, which has a limited supply of 21 million coins versus something like Dogecoin, which has an unlimited supply. And as you're, you're talking about that, Angela, it reminds me thinking back to when the US dollar used to be on the gold standard. You know, in, in theory, you could exchange your dollar for gold mm -hmm. and it was the fixed supply, limited supply of gold and that seemed to be a lot like Bitcoin as you're talking. Right. Whereas once we went off the gold standard, you know, in theory, especially since the last couple of years with all the money that's been printed by central banks in the US specifically, we're a lot like Dogecoin, if you think about it, where we can print an unlimited amount of dollars. Reminds me of the difference between the two as you're talking. Yeah. We're gonna rename the dollar the Dogecoin. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Digital currencies are primarily used for illicit activity. Well, I mean, first of all, the majority of um, crypto is not used for criminal activity. Fiat currencies that we just talked about are still the preferred method for laundering money and for illegal activity. Um, and I think a couple of things to remember is that the blockchain does keep a public record of each crypto transaction. So it does offer some anonymity, but it does record you know, the users and their details. They can be identified. And um, digital asset exchanges are, are working to avoid the misuse of crypto. 
and they are implementing sort of mandatory training that JR and I are very familiar with um, about knowing your customer, anti-money laundering, and know your transaction. That are very similar to some of the requirements that we in the um, financial services industry have to abide by and, and follow annually, take annually. And even recently, I think we've heard of, of some of the illicit activity, but then it's been recovered. So I think to your point with with where things are, it's not as easy to to launder and, and the governments are really able to figure some of that out as well. Mm-hmm. On top of it, I mean, it, it feels like some of the press and media around digital currencies and crypto. So anytime there are some of these, they catch extra headlines, whereas we don't cover every single illegal activity that happens with dollars or euros throughout the world. And they're far more than them. Mm-hmm. So I think you make some good points there. Let's move on to the next one. Cryptocurrencies aren't secure. Well, I mean, with the surge in popularity and price, obviously that's made uh, digital assets a target for hackers. And cryptocurrencies uh, are not managed by an authoritative organization or a central bank. So the responsibility to protect your money, to protect your cryptocurrency really falls on you. So just like everything else in our in our personal digital world, you really have to be careful. So if you have a physical wallet, it should be stored in a secure place, um, a safe or a safety deposit box. You need to be super smart about your passwords, um, never use or reuse a password across accounts, Uh, use a a trusted password manager to help you sort of automate the process. And of course, work with reputable uh, crypto wallet, crypto exchanges, brokerages, and mobile apps. And uh, just as an aside, over the holidays, I heard a news story about uh, a Bitcoin miner in Wales who threw out his thumb drive and he's been petitioning the local garbage dump to ex- excavate or mine the dump to find this hard drive with billions of dollars of, of Bitcoin on it. So the, the most valuable garbage dump in the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For you thinking about it as we're talking here, I mean, it, it seems no different than the $20 bill you have in your wallet that if you lose it, it's gone forever just like this garbage dump example. Or if you think about our, our digital wallets now today, our, our online banking accounts, right, where our money is held, just making sure how secure our passwords there are and, and thinking about the same thing as we protect our, our online banking that we've all gotten used to over the last 20 years. Okay, let's move on to the next one. There is only one blockchain. Actually, there are many blockchains. Uh, and there's there's one blockchain for each cryptocurrency. So just as a quick review, a blockchain is a distributed database. It's shared among the nodes of a computer network. So different information can be stored on the blockchain, but the most common so far has been uh, basically a ledger for transactions. And so the goal of the blockchain is to allow digital information to be recorded and distributed, but not edited. So, and there are other, you know, potential applications um, for 
the blockchain as well, other than cryptocurrency. I think a couple interesting ones are medical records. Blockchain will allow medical records and any health monitoring to exist on a single standard platform. It can't be tampered with or altered, and it will allow for greater privacy and control over who has access to that information. And then another uh, industry that you know, will adopt the blockchain is real estate. And as the technology evolves, you know, it will most likely cut out a lot of the intermediaries, the brokers, the lawyers, the banks, title companies. It'll add transparency to the whole process of buying and selling and, and reduce costs. We apologize to all the lawyers yeah. and brokers on the call that are listening to this. Yes. But and another another thing is that we think about it. I mean, there's a lot of belief that the financial services, like all brokerage accounts and transactions, will ultimately sit on some version of a blockchain. Mm -hmm company by company. And you, you could, as you think about Angela talking, I mean, you could see the cost savings that could happen and other things, as well as the security in theory that, that should be better. Let's turn to the last one. Digital currencies are bad for the environment. I think last, last summer, this got a lot of attention when Elon Musk talked about Tesla no longer accepting Bitcoin because it's bad for the environment. So what are our thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, there is reason con for concern about the impact on the environment. You know, obviously there's been an explosion of, of mining operations and, you know, each of those operations needs a ton of computational power and in turn, they need a lot of electricity, but it's difficult to really know how much electricity is expended because, you know, there are all these different systems and, uh, you know, they have varying levels of energy efficiency. But there have been, you know, efforts to sort of reduce the carbon footprint. Um, there's a Bitcoin mining council and a crypto climate accord um, that are, you know, working toward, you know, encouraging the use of renewable energy. And I think that really to gain wider adoption, crypto will have to adapt and change in order to minimize its environmental impact. And then the other example there is, is Ethereum, which is one of the big ones. They're looking for a big upgrade mm -hmm. that'll reduce its energy consumption in theory close to 99%. And the, the other thing as, a, as you're talking, Angela, thought I think of is, is a mine. So if we're looking for a big copper mine that's in the ground, it takes a, a ton of investment, a ton of energy to build that out. Once it's fully operational, you're kind of getting a return on that investment. In theory, the carbon footprint of a fully operational mine is far less. And it mm -hmm. seems like that's what we're seeing with, with crypto at this point is there's a lot of investment the last few years. In the years ahead, the carbon footprint will be a lot less than it is today. With that, we hope that we deciphered some of the misconceptions that you heard about crypto today. On our next episode, I'll be joined by our wealth strategist, Wayne Cooper. Together, we'll give you a brief tax overview. How do taxes work for crypto? So with that, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you. The Learner Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 
This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The Learner Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or emissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Learner Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.